0: Hey guys, and welcome to the Grow podcast. We're so happy you're here. I'm Ashley, your host through the monthly segment of the podcast, brought to you by the Landis Grow Solution Center. On today's episode, I have a really exciting guest joining me today to talk through grain movement here at Landis, and more specifically, grain movement via rail. Today, I have Dustin Weiner, who is the merchandising lead here at Landis. All right, Dustin, welcome to the podcast. Tell us about yourself and what you do here for Landis for us.
1: All right. So my name is Dustin Weiner. I've been at Landis for coming up on 18 years at the co-op. Um, I've had a little bit of everything. I started operations, origination, merchandising. So my current job now is I oversee all the grain merchandising for Landis. So that's truck, that's rail, that's all the, the bid side, the offer side of the market, and a lot of logistics as well. So, including rail, which is the topic for today.
0: Yeah. I just, I love how you like made that sound so simple. You're like, oh, I just cover these things. (laughs) Someone has to. As if they're not perplexed pieces of our business. (laughs) All right. And then tell us a little bit about your background and um, just about yourself.
1: Yeah. So, I live in Ankeny with three kids, and um, we've been here since. 2000, and uh, I think I moved to the area 2004. So okay. I went to Iowa State, graduated in 2003, uh, originally from a small town in North Iowa. Yeah, I really love what I do. It's been, uh, it's been an interesting road. We started at a four location co op, and now we are, what, 50s. So yeah. it's been a lot of growth, it's been fun.
0: For sure. So. And you've really gotten to see a lot of parts of the business too.
1: Absolutely. I give it to, uh, the first job I took down here was operations. So speaking of rail, I loaded cars. That was the first job I did. So I loaded shuttles in the middle of the night and I was 20 something years old. and It was awesome. <laughs> I loved it. And then uh, moved into origination, which is where you're at now, which was also a whole new level of stress and fun. Met a lot of farmers. I learned the lingo. I had to teach myself all that kind of, all the acronyms and all the messy things that we talk about as grain marketing people. And then I uh, moved into logistics and operations and managed some trucks, managed some people. And then, uh, like I said earlier, I've been merchandising since 2009. Gotcha.
0: So. All right, Dustin, I want to start by giving our listeners just a background on what our Landis facilities look like as far as rail access goes.
1: Absolutely. So Landis's rail is extremely uh, important to what we do as merchandisers. This is a lot of fun. We're on all seven railroads in Iowa. The Burlington Northern Santa Fe, which is the BNSF. The mm-hmm. Union Pacific, which is the UP, those are the two main ones. As far as class ones go, we're also on the CN, the CP, the Iowa Northern, and the Iowa Interstate. Now, each one of those offers a whole different market, each and of their own, which is what makes it exciting. Mm-hmm.
0: So, I mean, why if, you know, hey, um, I'm a producer, why do I care about this? Why does that matter?
1: Well, there's a lot. there's a lot of reasons. I mean, for one... It's This access to other markets, right? I mean, when we load a train in Bayard, Iowa, on the BN, it's 450,000 bushels of corn that's going to let's just say West Texas. Mm-hmm. That's 450,000 less bushels of corn in that county. That's 450,000 bushels of less corn for that's available for an ethanol plant to buy. In theory, it adds value to that market, yeah, over and over and over again. And now, the reason why having multiple railroads is is so advantageous is that uh we can go other directions too right mm-hmm. if we need to get to the gulfs directly to the gulf we load out of the CN ladder Grove. if we're going into canada we're also loading out of the CN. if there's a short crop in the east we're loading out of the ns in pleasant hill and eighty-five cars down to the poultry markets this last year was a great example i mean uh, if you remember all these high energy costs high fuel costs with all the I shouldn't even say fuel. It's the high cost of freight with supply chain issues we had over from COVID. Mm-hmm. All the beans this year came out of the PNW, which is up in the Pacific Northwest, right? Which isn't a market we normally hit. I'd say, I mean, we've been here for a long time. We did more PNW trains this year than we have in my entire career combined. And that is the only way we could get there was access on the BN. So gotcha. we didn't go to the Gulf. And so the, the ability to hit a lot of different markets. And basically remove grain from your own local S&D. As a farmer, I can't imagine what it would be like if we took 80 million bushel of corn that we rail out of the state and dumped it right back into our local market. What's oh, the corn yeah. basis going to do?
0: Yeah, for sure. That's one thing. And um, we should try to find it and put it in uh, the show notes for this episode. But I love that graph that we have where it's like the bubble map of what we grow and what we export. So I think that'd be really cool for our, you know, listeners to see, but I think that's the biggest thing for me as an originator is we're getting this the heck out of there. I always said, right? Like when I was originating up in rank, it's like we're gonna put it on a cor- on a train and ship it to Mexico or ship it to wherever. It's getting out of here.
1: Absolutely. And that's why our competitors on the rail, if you think about it as a Landis member that owns this, that owns the grain, let alone owning the own the business. I mean our competitors are not local. It's I'm trying to get Iowa corn, Landis corn in particular into Mexico over the top of Nebraska corn. Let that Mm -hmm. corn sit there and be worth less. Let the Iowa corn, let the Landis members' corn be worth more because we ship more of it out of the States. So um, that's where having seven railroads, we can hit any market, any year, any situation.
0: That's awesome. All right, so um not only is, you know, the rail system obviously essential for us as landists to move out corn and soybeans, but let's talk about, you know, all those byproducts from corn and soybeans that are transported by rail, whether it be ethanol or especially like talk about meal as we look at our Ralston facility just further in.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, so Ralston is an interesting location too because of all the soybean meal that we lay out of there. It's soy plus. it's made for dairies. I mean, there's not a lot of dairies you can truck to in mm-hmm. Ralston, Iowa. So there's yeah. thousands and thousands and thousands of meal cars that get shipped out of Ralston. And that's just out of Ralston direct, let alone some transload out of Templeton every year. So the railroads clear a lot of product out of Iowa. We don't think about it a lot unless you happen to be driving through Ames and get stopped by a <laughs> 50-mile-an-hour 50, 50 train that you didn't see coming. <laughs> um, and it's important you saw it in some of our ethanol plants. I mean, these guys are our partners and our friends that we trade with out there. And some of them got really... some issues this year because there were performance issues on the railroad and Mm -hmm. they were they were unable to ship their ethanol cars and if you can't ship cars and you don't have a lot of space for the ethanol then you kind of have to stop
0: you've got to stop grinding yeah Yeah. All right. So I want to dive just a little bit deeper into that. You know, I want to shift and talk about this spring and let's call it early summer, right? Um, it was challenging. Um, as I think about some of my facilities trying to get corn in, um, and not bring too much corn in as we were waiting and and wanting trains. Right. So what, like, what is real performance and, and maybe why did we see it struggle just a smidge this spring?
1: Absolutely. So the struggle started before everybody felt it it started in late november and december and there was a little bit of uh you know some vaccine mandates and things and there were some issues that were going on but if you if you look back in october and before that when the economy was slowing down and everything was taking a step back all companies railroads alike mm-hmm. they looked and they, they laid people off you just line up your demand for cars how many people does it take to move them and then everyone else got furloughed yeah and then you start calling them back and they start coming back, and then eventually we got into this time in March when well, we all saw what happened when we had Russia invade Ukraine, and then the, and then we really needed it. We really needed the U.S. to export grains. And they started calling further and further down their furlough list, guys that have been gone for longer, and they kind of said no. Mm-hmm. That was really simple. They just said, I don't really want to do that. I mean, these... These railroads, they don't just move. When you move a train from Iowa to West Texas, it's not like the same guy's in it all the way. Yeah. You're multiple crews and multiple markets, multiple challenges. So they got, they got tripped up by the same thing everything else did. It's just they had immense demand.
0: Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Gotcha so with this i mean you know what are some things that landis was doing to maybe help our customers or you know what do we do as landis just to really help our farmers work through some of this access to rail and some of the performance issues
1: yeah well we uh i mean we're watching it we're watching it a lot i mean some of the things that we're doing is is when we see it coming and you talk about as an originator or a farmer i'm sure there's guys listening here that got told sorry we're full weight on the train that happens you know we try to avoid that but what helps with land is all these different railroads or all these different origins we have we have five bn shuttle loaders mm-hmm. and five ep shuttle loaders i don't know of anybody else in the country that's got that so there's always a train coming and i always have a plan for ash's favorite location for let's just say pleasant hill and if it slows down or gets stuck and maybe not kansas city but maybe it's in uh maybe it's in texas somewhere maybe it's in kansas there's usually another one coming that we can switch into it mm-hmm. uh, maybe there's one that was coming to templeton that maybe we don't need to move so fast we switch it to pleasant hill to try to keep everybody going it's a constant juggling act so sometimes it feels like i was never good at hopscotch but like double dutch and like just when <laughs> when you jump in and when do you jump out and how do you not get hit by the stupid jump rope you know <laughs> oh my like, God. that's like every day around here a little <laughs> bit so i don't know uh and that's just what we do. That's not a performance issue. That is just, that's just the logistics that we provide to keep everything going. I mean, Landis is gonna, we're gonna handle a record amount of corn that she already have, mm-hmm. we're gonna, which means we're gonna ship a record amount of corn. And almost all that record increments is all in rail. And so we've been busier. We set a record in June for shipments, we're gonna set a record in July, and that can't be done without rail. So in the face of all of the logistics problems you hear about and all the supply chain issues, We have record shipments, so we've gotten through it pretty well.
0: Well, I think that's what's really cool for our farmers listening or, you know, other customers. It's, you know, there are a lot of different co-ops and facilities in Iowa, but I think that's what's really cool to me about working for Landis and, you know, really being entrenched in this is, as Dustin said, you know, if we've got a BN train coming in way too fast and maybe we don't have everything ready, we can move it to a different location. That is something that's really unique.
1: Yeah, well, we are, you know, we do run our own freight. I you know we do run some shuttles on the BN and, uh, and we're looking to run them on other railroads also. And so that helps the flexibility in trading. And as a merchandiser, flexibility is everything. I mean, that's where the value's at. at. So, so adding flexibility adds value, which allows us to to pay so much like we do for corn.
0: Yeah. And in in all honesty too, I mean, just to give our listeners a look into my week lately, I mean, we've kind of got two back-to-back shuttles coming into hill, And so I've spent most of my days like just trying to originate more corn, which is really fun because it allows us to get out of our normal trade area. And so that's what I love about that opportunity is, yeah, it's stressful, but it's a lot of fun because it's going after customers that we don't normally see. And it's like, Hey, we have a rail car coming and I need your corn, you know, and it's definitely normally a little bit of a push quick ship bid, um, which again, it's just a unique opportunity for us to, I think, reach even more customers. Right.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 110 car trains, 450,000 bushels. And we load that train in roughly 10 hours. Right. So when it comes in, we got to have the grain, we got to have it in speed. We got to have it in position, not below a spout. You can't sweep it or back it. it's got to be going. So we've been really hoping at it hard. And I, uh, I mean, if you're out buying trains, we got more to buy too. I mean, that's the interesting thing about the rail market. I spend most of my days talking about what corn's worth in Texas, talking about corn's worth in El Paso on the border yeah. and trying to make estimates on fuel, which has really been volatile lately, oh my trying gosh. to figure out the fuel cost. I mean, you're worried about what it takes to drive to the to the into town to go get groceries. Imagine just driving to West Texas on yeah. one on one train, right? I mean, so that's it makes a huge difference what fuel is. So but today, at this point, I believe that the bid side of the market is in the rail. It's, but who can put together four hundred fifty thousand bushels? And if you can, it's worth something. So that's what we have to keep working on.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. So let's go ahead and shift gears a little bit. I want to talk about current markets today, um, which I didn't fully prepare you for. But this is like okay. your life, so we'll be fine. Um, so I want to talk about, I want to talk about ending stocks. I want to talk about you know the last kind of planning. Recap acreage report that we just saw. Um, and I want to also talk about moving into harvest. So let's start with ending stocks. It feels like, like nothing's out there.
1: Yeah, so ending stocks, I mean, we are running on fumes, and that's where logistics can sometimes ball that up. I mean, because ending stocks, in theory, it's is a measurement of the bins on, on August 31st, but um, it's also an assumption of how much grain is in transit and mm-hmm. in a rail car. And so if, it, if we do have logistics problems, there might be grain hung up in the middle but long story short we're gonna be it's not that 831 is gonna be the trouble it's not gonna be august it's no one got planted on time yeah right and so there's this late i mean there's no sweet corn in ankeny
0: i know you know
1: so it's like (laughs) (laughs) it's a bit of a joke but i mean it's a good evidence of like what has going on here even Mm -hmm. even the suburb kids understand that something is different
0: i love that but
1: just take it out to september so, where is there going to be early corn south of Highway 30 around Boone like there always is on Ooh. September 8th? I mean, that seems to be a stretch. Now, I have heard that the Illinois side of the uh, of the river, that they've got enough heat, and they think it may black clear by Labor Day, they may have corn by September 15th, which will be huge. That uh, corn's been worth a pretty, a pretty penny. Oh, gosh, yeah. And so, around here, I think the issue isn't going to be 831. It's that we have to make last year's crop last another month, right? Yeah. And so, if there's a if we grow 14 billion bushels of corn and it takes 12 months to use it. So whatever that is per month, add that to September because there won't be any harvest yet. So I think that's the biggest issue in any stocks when it comes to basis. And earlier in the year, I think, you know, it felt like futures were gonna do all the work mm-hmm. and they did a ton of work.
0: Yeah, here we are.
1: A ridiculous amount of work. Now, I mean, look at these basis levels. We're all hundred and something over. I know. And trending higher, <laughs> right? And it's just gonna go high enough until we get the farmer to sell. Yep. Because we need every percentage we can. Yeah. But there's your volatility. Basis can go down a dollar in a minute. All you have to do is change it. You know what I mean? So you gotta be careful as we go on through the summer, because all you need is enough corn to get you to when you think harvest is gonna be here. Mm-hmm. So somebody will be out there thinking, All right, I got enough corn to September 15th, I'm pulling basis back. And, and that nice. corn moves yeah. all over the place, everybody falls apart, and then on September 10th, it yeah. And harvest doesn't come. And then on off since September 11th, you're betting 250 over the D's for some stupid corn to try to get here by next weekend. Yeah. So it's going to be a wild ride.
0: It really is. I mean, you know, I have been here almost four years and every year is absolutely completely different, right? I mean, it's it's always some sort of a different wild ride. But I want to talk about, um, you know, as we think about if you were a farmer, right? Like speak to those guys. Let's say they've got 20% or less in the bin, Right. What, what would you be doing today? I think I know what I'd be doing, but I'm also a farmer's yeah. daughter, so.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. And the farmers are always bullish, and I get it. I mean, there was some corn, so we just got we just got scared to death here on Tuesday when oh, everything yeah. fell apart again, right? And corn slipped below $7. And so I know there was some corn that sold for seven bucks, but this last 20%, what I would do, honestly, is I would get into a marketable position. Mm-hmm. I would figure out who's, we still have free price let our land is, I would get mm-hmm. it into someone else's bin. So the next time you need to sell, and whether it's a panic higher or a panic lower, all they have to do is cut you a check. Yeah. If that stuff's sitting at home and I need it here by Friday and I'm willing to pay a premium,
0: mm-hmm. good luck. Yeah.
1: So I would get it into someone else's hands, get it in a markable position because I, I can tell you to sell and they won't. And I can tell you not oh, to sell. Yeah. Anymore. I mean, no one's going to do anything right now, um, which is why BASIS still won't
0: hire. So. 100%. And I think the other great thing about free price later since we started talking about it is I mean, it has been so doggone hot and humid, and we all know what that does to corn in the bin. So, you know, if you're at all worried about quality, pass that risk on to us, right?
1: Yeah, we'll take it. I mean, we'll... Yeah, we have we will take it. That's what we're trying to do here is we need... The market needs the corn, so bring it on. We still got free prices that are open. We can talk about the, the actual extending the dates and things mm-hmm. like that, but we... You need to get it out of your hands and into someone else's. If anything, just so you can sell it and get a check instead of having to go to work.
0: Yeah, for sure. Okay, so shifting gears, um, I want to talk about as we think about what's to come. And we talked about it a little bit, right? But let's say we are, I don't know, talking to a guy and he's less than 50% sold for new crop. I feel like this thing is kind of starting to slip away, the D's futures. So what's your recommendation on you know yeah. moving forward?
1: So we do have, when you look at our new crop corn bought at Landis, and I've been tracking that for even since before Landis was here percentage-wise, mm-hmm. we are at the high end of what we bought. So we've got more on a percent basis. we got more bought than normal. We're not at 50%. So I think most of the guys are going to be under this match. Yeah. what you're talking about? Yeah. I mean, my thoughts on December corn today, I guess what I was sharing with the farmer is, as of right now, the supply side does not seem to be an issue.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It might be. We can t- I don't know. We can talk about acreage. You can talk about prevent plan. You can talk about all you want. I mean, the supply side is what it is, and we got good weather. And so it's pretty hard if you're a spec guy to go out and say, I want to buy December corn. It's raining in Iowa again. <laughs> yeah. Right? That's probably not going to happen. So you're going to need the other side of the equation. All the Ukraine, all the exports. I mean, we do have strong margins in feed, ethanol. It looks like exports would be strong again. But there's so much time between now and that problem mm-hmm. that they're gonna probably wait. So I mean, the advice I'm giving on new crop is unfortunately, it's gonna chop around and it's probably gonna chop lower. But it, but eventually, you still have to marry up supply with demand. And the carryout for next year is still gonna be tight, and we can't afford. Or just can't afford any hiccups mm-hmm. anywhere. So, I guess if I mean, just think about it from the spec side. Do you want to buy corn today? knowing what we know about the supply, having all the unknowns about what's going to happen in Ukraine and our export program next year. I would say no, but if you want to buy corn and maybe in November, you know, as you, as you, you'll know so much more. You'll know exactly what the crop size was. You'll have a much better feel for margins. So I'm, unfortunately I think, uh, my advice to the farmers is probably sell the, sell the little blips and sell the rallies and get yourself so where you're not paying too much storage this fall. Yeah. Um, it's funny, you don't get paid, you know, you don't do your math and cents per bushel, it's always dollars per acre. Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, that's how it should be. and No one ever does it, but I mean, that's, that's how it should be. I mean, in dollars per acre, you should get yourself to even. Mm-hmm. How many dollars per acre's expenses do you have? And so, how many does it take to get there on the revenue side? And I guarantee you'll have corn left over. Yeah. Go ahead and jack around with that stuff. You know? Yeah.
0: No, I 100% agree. I know um, I had posted something on my Instagram before the report came out June 30th. You instill the reports? That's awesome. I do instill the reports. (laughs) I don't know know who cares. (laughs) But actually, it's fun. It's so much fun. Like I have so many, a lot of farmer's wives follow me. And so um, it's fun to kind of talk about that because I feel like they don't get a glimpse into that. But um, I had posted something like, this report is so pertinent to know your number what's your next trigger number and then call your buyer and work that and so many people were like i don't know that i know my trigger my next trigger number and i'm like this is the problem with selling new crop corn right
1: this is the problem with selling any corn right yeah now. just anything in general you don't it's hard when you are and this is a life lesson but when you're right you own something that is now worth more than it was when you bought it. Yeah. Which is kind of corn, <laughs> right? Whether it's your the car. Corn is worth something or... more than you thought it would be when you planted it back in, well, May this year. Yeah. What do you do next? Yeah.
0: I mean, it's no different <laughs> than me. You know, my husband makes fun of me because I've got a measly Robin of an account. And he's like, you, you needed to sell this two weeks ago, but you were bullish just like your farmers.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, you got money in it. It's, it's, yeah. It starts to feel like game. It so does, that's what yeah. you have to turn it into your goal should start off with a percent sold you know like how, mm-hmm. pro- what, how much percent sold do you want
0: to be yeah 100 yeah. percent. we've talked a lot about corn
1: mm-hmm.
0: give us your thoughts on old crop beans and the new crop beans
1: old crop beans are kind of uh, strangely quiet mm-hmm. uh, there's still just a pinch of uncovered demand out there even in the export channels but uh what you saw in bean spreads when july beans ran against august beans it mm-hmm. kind of forced a lot of beans to the river and covered that but so whole crop beans i think uh they still beans to buy i think there's processors i mean everybody's got great margins yeah there's nothing wrong with margins so but everything seems very status quo the farmer isn't moving the uh the commercial end user of the soybean isn't moving um uh, i can tell you on a kind of a percentage basis, the farmer is holding more beans than they are corn. I mean, when you look at Landis's numbers here today, you're gonna find an equal level of corn and beans that the farmer still has title to, Mm -hmm. but there's not an equal bushel per acre on that.
0: Yeah, So if you
1: you think about it, the farmer has been way more aggressive on selling corn, has been holding off on beans, but I mean, beans in the teens happened a long time ago, but we're talking 15 plus dollar beans right now. I mean, it's uh, that inverse on beans, we've all dealt with it for years it's more like $2 drop when it happens.
0: Um, Yeah. I think that's interesting what you said. I mean, to me, right, I cover what feels like a lot of our Eastern trade area, especially down South um, in our kind of Des Moines market area. Mm -hmm. It sure feels like, there's not a lot of nothing left. I mean, there's not a lot of old crop beans or corn, but I would say there's even less beans out there.
1: The beans are interesting. So we blew the doors off this year with Yale, bean yield, bean take, and I mean, we just had a massive P&W program of, of exporting these beans. But what I find over history is that the bean space at home is the same no matter the size of the bean crop you know what I mean so when you get these big bean harvests they all just come to town Mm -hmm. it's not like they go on the ground or they go into old space or old butler bins they just come to town so it's not that surprising that the beans aren't at home but I mean I hope we keep looking and keep finding them we still need them the the market still needs them you know on the export side uh, for new crop Anyways, there has been a decent amount of business put on. I mean, China's been a little bit active here for new crop. And from t- I was talking to the guys at PNW this morning, it's really quiet right now. Kind of expectations about 30 days from now, as we get further into US crop development, that China will be back in. But mm-hmm. you got to remember, a lot of these uh, other countries, whether it's corn to Mexico or beans to China, they're very flat price driven, which is kind of opposite of what your local crusher is going to be. He's going to be more margin driven. Mm-hmm. Um, and flat price is currency driven. So, gotcha. as we saw earlier this week, it was kind of a mess, right? We had the beans falling out of bed and the US dollar was going higher. I don't need to go down a currency path, but that's not <laughs> good for exports, right? Because, yeah. like, beans are cheaper. Well, not in the eyes of the rest of the world because they yep. got to buy the dang dollar, which is more expensive.
0: Yeah. So. No doubt. Okay, well. You know, I just want to go ahead and try to wrap this up here. I feel like you and I could talk
1: all day, yeah, which we I could. love. We could.
0: Um, I love like I always just love giving Dustin a call when he's able to answer the call.
1: Right. Sorry.
0: And just brainstorm like I just love your insight and just I mean you can tell that you've been in this trade and industry for you know such a long time that it's really fun to chat with you but before we go ahead and wrap up I mean anything else you you want to add whether it be about rail or markets that you want to make sure our customers know.
1: No, I mean I don't think so. I think we touched the marketing stuff pretty well. I mean, on the rail side, which is the which was what we started kicking this off. It is important. And as you uh, as you visit your latest locations and talk to these people that are on the cruise, you know, uh, make sure you tell them thank you. I mean, this is a lot of work. These guys load in the middle of the night. They load any time the train shows up, and, mm-hmm. and they knock it out fast. It is it is a high intense job that we must appreciate them on. And, and but we're not done growing. Uh, our rail business is is probably off the charts. It's like pre business right now with how much you're putting through it. And we're going to do more next year, right? So, I mean... It's going to take a lot of labor and we're going to run a lot of crews and we're going to try to give everybody time off. It is a lot of work. And so make sure you thank them because there's millions and millions and millions of bushels yeah. that are no longer stuck in our local market because these guys are going to load cars.
0: A hundred percent. I mean, that's a, a great shout out. I think we have so many people at our facilities that, like you said, they wake up in the middle of the night, leave their families and come and load cars for 10 hours. Okay. I mean, it's
1: it's nuts. I've been there. I was young didn't have a family to worry about I was happy just (laughs) whatever let's go you know but now it's like there's a lot of people that are spending a lot of time for us yeah they're making us a lot of money they're making the farmer more than they even understand
0: Mm -hmm. for sure All right. Well, I want to go ahead and thank our listeners for joining us today. And thank you, Dustin, for coming to talk uh, with us today and share your insight into just a huge portion of this business that we get to do. Uh, So be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never get to miss an episode, grain or agronomy, and stay up to date on all of the Landis and industry news.